What are you doing here? It's challenge day. You know we've influenced nearly every facet of white America. From our music to our style of dress, walk, talk, dress, mannerisms. We enrich your very existence. You should say thank you, man. Welcome to the Black Loop Podcast. I'm your host, Tariq el and I am unapologetically black, unapologetically Muslim, and I greet you with the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. We begin by invoking the blessings of God, recognizing that if there's any good that comes from this, it is only due to the mercy of the Most High. This time and every time we talk, we are looking at the impact of and impact on blackness. What does it mean? What has it meant? What is it going to mean? Today we are talking about home life during this COVID-19 pandemic, what it has meant for uh, vulnerable communities. We are talking with one of my favorite people, author of the Brothers-in-Law series, founder of NBA Muslims, social justice advocate, and mother of six, which means this sister gets no sleep. You could call a superwoman, but I call her Layla. Layla Abdullah Poulos, welcome to the Black Blue Podcast. As always, Assalamu alaikum. I'm far from super. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned I don't sleep because I just found my Fitbit stuff uh-huh. and it tracks your sleeping. And I slept five hours, but I woke up eight times. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> okay, so sis, you got to do something to to try to, you know, reduce those interruptions uh five hours eight times like what you slept for like what 20 minutes at a time yeah i'm happy with five hours though because i usually only sleep four so it's a little bit more yeah i mean i can do it five but they need to be a straight five right but let's okay let's keep this in context right now because we're having this um during a a time of stress uh we're calling it the new normal but there's nothing normal about this. I mean, it's not just working at home. It's everybody being home. It's it's not having the dividing lines that we're used to. You know, that home used to be a de- demarcation line, right? It was, I come home and I got some peace. I'm away from everybody. But now that's not the case. So no. so, so eight times, maybe eight times in, in, in five hours, is that uh, kind of a reflection of the time we're in right now? Or were you chopping up your sleep like that before? I was chopping up my the, my sleep like that before. I am I am not going to bed the same time that I usually go to bed. Yeah. But I also have the little ones in the bed. Mm. That's the thing, because they, they're missing their daddy. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, Talk a bit about that. Come uh, on out, because you talked about this on social media a little. I do. I yeah. do. Because I was one of the people who I kind of, you know, we, this is not a, a thing that does, that has never happened before. Historically, there are outbreaks, there are viral outbreaks all the time. Right. Even in my lifetime, our lifetimes, you know, I remember SARS, I remember MERS, you know, mm-hmm. the swine flu. And uh, it's just, this is a new one. So when it came on, when it came on the scene, I kind of was like, okay, so here's another one. And people have to take precautions. This this has hit the states really really hard, right. and so there's a heavy impact on them. And so I, like my husband is an essential worker, mm-hmm. so he has to go to work. 
he works with the developmentally disabled. So his clients need him and his agencies need him. So he's been going to work. So I'm used to when stuff like this happens that he's not around. But now, because this virus is so infectious mm-hmm. and because of the the vulnerability that the, there are people in this ha- the people in this house have, I have hypertension. My daughter has, has a compromised immune system. He doesn't want to come home. Right, right. So he hasn't been coming home at all. He'll do a grocery drop. Mm-hmm. And so I have to leave like the Lysol wipes and everything like that outside. So he wipes everything off, but he doesn't go past the porch. Now, how he long has this been? been? Home. How long has this been? Right now we're going on the second week and wow. we don't know how long that's going to be. And, and No, he was home one day. He did come home one day. He came home, he relaxed. But now something has happened at his job. I can't divulge what it is to maintain the cli- the privacy of his clients mm-hmm. and his agency. But something has happened that has ratcheted up his concern even more so. Usually what he would do, I mean, they have, they're, they're taking strict precautions at his job. But also in addition to that, he would come home, he would spray himself down, he would change his clothes, wash up and everything like that. But now something has happened where he doesn't even want to do that. He doesn't want to come home. Wow. Wow. And, you know, he's very concerned. And especially since I'm African-American and African-Americans are dying from the coronavirus at such a disproportionate rate. Yeah, it's crazy. And it is. It is. It's crazy. It is. I mean, let's let's put that, uh, put those numbers in perspective. Okay, so I'm going to say Chicago and then give us New York. So Chicago right now, uh, African Americans, we are 30% of the population here. We are a little upwards of 50% of the, of the reported cases, uh, about 71, 72% of the reported deaths related to COVID-19. I mean, that is absolutely crazy. And then it gets deeper, right? It goes to the point where once they start breaking those numbers down by, uh, by gender, black men are 10 times more likely to die from COVID-19 than anybody else wow that's startling yeah it really is i don't have the numbers from long island where i live but in new york city mayor de blasio released the information as of yesterday and it's probably more today uh 28 of the deaths from covid 19 are black people and they make up 22 percent of the new york city population Mm. and hispanics is 34 percent of the deaths and they make up 29% of the population. So that's a, a, so that is really, really startling and it's way scary. And when you look at, when you juxtapose it to whites in New York City who make up 32% of the population, so they're a third, mm-hmm. it's actually 27% of the deaths. So you have people of color who make up a minority of the population, but a majority of the death, even in their subsets, mm-hmm. when you look at that. So that's very, very scary to see that happening. And they, they have a lot, they've given off a lot of reasons for it. Well, first of all, a lot of the uh, essential workers mm-hmm. are people of color. That's right. You know, so, you know, not only doctors and nurses and everything like, but the people that are cleaning up the hospitals. The letter carriers. The, the, yeah, a, along the healthcare system, yeah. it's saturated with people of color. So, you know, like my husband, he worked with developmentally disabled. He's part of the healthcare system. 
and so it saturated nursing homes, everything like that, but also the infrastructures that have to be maintained are maintained also by pe there's a lot of people of color. No, so sanitation workers, you know, people that still have to go to work. Yeah, they don't have the luxury of staying home. Okay, and the added protection that comes with staying home. Now here's so, the thing. You know, here's the thing I want to in interject on that. If it was not for these essential workers, the the the, the remnants of normal, right? I mean, yeah, we're sheltering in place, but folks are still able to go to the grocery store, right? That, that like, I think uh, last time we talked to talked about that being kind of the hangout spot. You know, people go there just to, you know, walking around for an hour <laughs> looking for whatever, right? But it's really just to just to have that connection to what. It was, you know, just, you know, just uh, a few weeks back, right? Yeah. So, um, if those people weren't in those spaces, we couldn't have that sense of normalcy, right? That little shot of, 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 of the normal. Um, if we if we weren't getting our our mail, right? If you weren't seeing your letter carriers, if you couldn't go get groceries, if um, you know, you didn't see the the fire department and police, and you know, the the hospitals weren't open then it would really be a, a tremendous departure from from normal. You would know that mm -hmm. you were in in yeah. some completely different uh, realm. So, yeah, I mean, there, we need to, to have some stability and there, you know, in this time of chaos, you yeah. know, there's a lot of chaos going on, but there's still some stability. There's still some reliability. And even though you, you may go to the grocery store now, and you may have to wait online six feet apart between two sure. people, you still get to go. And there are workers that have to go in there and make sure that that grocery store is up and running. Mm. And, you know, some people lost their job, but some people, you know, it's like, no, we still need you to come in and we still need you to do this. I'm getting angry uh, with people and I'm, I am not a person who is quick to anger, but if when I'm in the grocery line, and the person behind me is not observing social distance, then, I, I, you know, I got a prop. And it's difficult because, you know, because when you're, try, you're trying to convey emotion with just your eyes, because I got a mask on, you know, that, you know, it becomes, I mean, and I don't have large eyes. So as it is, so it's, it's. I can convey with my eyes. Yeah. So, I mean, I see, you know, I got a death stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I can give someone a death stare. It's like, no, back up. <laughs> hey, I turn around, you know, back up, back up. What is, you know, what is wrong with you? Don't, are you taking this thing seriously? I mean, we have to understand that, you know, I, even in the United States, there is a culture of personal space, but this goes beyond the realm of personal space. You know, people will not get too close to other people anyway, but now we're asking to go to extend that that whole cultural personal space to an even wider birth yeah and you may just absentmindedly just start walking and not realizing it you may be looking at your phone you may not just not really understand how far six feet is mm -hmm. you know i know that in um the supermarkets here they've been putting these big dots on the line yeah same here so that Excess, you know, stay lines. on the dot stay yeah. on the dot because like it even though we have a, a inclination to stay outside of a certain proximity to another person, that's pretty close. It that's is. not six feet. It's still pretty close. So 
not enough they're not taking it seriously there may be some people that's not taking it seriously which is one of the reasons why it's spreading so much because you had this whole culture of people people go college students going down for spring break and everything like that mm -hmm. it may be that but you know sometimes people just may not be thinking and so then they're getting too close and and uh it, it can get irritating but you can't get upset one woman killed another one doing that in a hospital are you here serious in New York. yeah she killed this elderly woman because the, they were in the hospital and the elderly woman got too close to her and she got mad and body slammed the elderly woman or hit her or something like that i have to get the article for you and the Whoa. woman died wow Wow. Oh my God. So keep it calm. Keep it cool. Okay. F first of all, here's the thing. You're in a position where you're not supposed to be touching anybody. That's the first thing, right? So. <laughs> Are you bad because she's too close? Right. So you're going to touch the person? Uh, okay. I, I, I don't know what was achieved there. It goes to show that tensions are high. No one. They everyone's are. scared and they don't. Ha and they're tense and. They don't have the patience. If they had a little patience before, they don't have any now. Like I've already, I've already had my uh, meltdown mm -hmm. in the house uh, the other night, and now I was kind of a little bit more careful. <laughs> but I had my melt because I'm, I, I am not a patient person. People think seem to think that I am, You're but not I am not a no, I'm not a patient person. Mm, okay, no, right. I'm not a patient person. <laughs> And so this is the, the tension that's going on. It's like, you know, I got all these people I have to worry about. And, you know, the, my grounding factor, the person that grounded me the most, mm -hmm. okay, is not around. And so that's why I told him. I said, listen, you're uh, not here to calm me down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you better walk lightly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just letting you know. You better get out of yeah. my face. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. So you have to, and I mean, it's like that all over. Yeah. It's like that all over. I mean, people, there's been a rise in attacks on Asian Americans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because of this whole idea, well, it came from the Chinese and everything like that. And the thing is like, no, that's where it was first. That's where it was first reported. And it was by a doctor who blew the whistle who's dead now. That's right. That's right. You know? So it's just like, no, you can't say, oh, well, it specifically came from the Chinese and they're spreading it. No, that's not the way viruses work, mm -hmm. you know? So, but, the, you know, it's the scare, people being scared. Being you know scared what? and being tense. That's like kind of causing this thing. So it's just like the way that this disease is impacting the society is just completely frightening. So keep your heads as cool as possible. Yeah, I, I will second that uh, and third and fourth it. Uh, one of the things that I'm actually... I don't know if glad is the right right word to use, but um, I guess I can say I'm glad. If I'm looking at what's what's the silver lining, uh, and that's if people actually accept it and recognize it as such. Uh, and that is when we talk about uh, how uh, black folks are being disproportionately impacted by COVID-19, is that people will see that these are, this is actually the result of existing structural systemic institutional add whatever you know uh category of uh realities that were already in existence and have contributed to uh african-americans being at the unfortunately at the top of this list now 
there might be an inclination for some, um, and I don't think that's necessarily what uh, 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 Dr. Fauci was saying. Uh, he spoke a few days ago and he talked about, he was mentioning how uh, African-Americans are our highest, yeah. you know, uh, impacted. And he talked about pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Right? Well, but they're reflective of it, of the the societal imbalance, the, 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 dis, the disparity in society. Yeah. He said... Well, one of the things that he said was health disparities have always existed for the African-American community. But here again, with the crisis, is how it is shining a bright light on how unacceptable that is. Because yet again, when you have a situation like the coronavirus, they are suffering disproportionately. And the pre-existing conditions are indicative a lot of times of the societal uh, inequities that exist among mm -hmm. African-Americans. Uh, African-Americans are more likely to be working class or impoverished. Mm -hmm. That is, they, they, have, they, they have less access to quality healthcare and they're treated differently in the healthcare system by a lot of physicians. Mm -hmm. So you do have these pre-existing conditions, high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, uh, there's a, a greater, uh, a, an increased uh, propensity for obesity because of diet, because of the way that you're, that a lot of African-Americans are forced to eat in order to, to, to live and survive. You know, when you're looking at like environments that have food deserts mm -hmm. and, you know, it just, it really does <clears throat> impact people's health. It, that's not a matter of convenience. It's something that impacts people's health. So yes, we have, even if let's say we have these increased likelihoods of pre-existing conditions. Let's just take three, diabetes, hypertension, and asthma. Yeah, that's Okay, which is also another one. We know that now this population of Americans are vulnerable. We know that. And two things we need to do. First of all, we need to really focus on how it is that we can protect those people, protect our, the, the people in that population, mm -hmm. but also do some reflection and some corrective measures, which this American society has always had a problem with, and making sure that the, we can now turn that trend. So they're always talking about flattening the curve of the coronavirus. Yes, flatten that curve, but there's a bunch of other curves that need to be flattened too. How can we uh, stem the tide of hypertension and 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 um obesity and diabetes See, the deal, and asthma and the real the deal here is the real deal uh, that, that I see here is not so much that we've historically had uh had to deal with these pre-existing conditions is that they're not attaching them to uh they're not they're not recognizing or admitting that these are socially induced conditions yes right yes. the the stresses of life uh, as a disparaged um, uh, individual, as, as an unwanted person, um, as a neglected person. You know, those, that reality and the stresses, you know, the, 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 the psychological trauma, which turns into a physiological, you know, physical trauma, um, that's what they're not addressing. And when I'm looking at, when I see a silver lining, I'm saying, well, the way we responded to 9-11, even though, I mean, I could really just go in on how there was already a, a, a pre-existing agenda 
And that facilitated, you know, a move towards, you know, curtailing civil, uh, civil liberties and um, increasing uh, surveillance, you know, or legitimizing that surveillance. But what but what we did see was our the legislative body that is usually very slow to act and takes it's a lot of him and hawing. We saw them turn into Olympic sprinters. And from September 11th to November, I think it was November of the uh, of, of the next year, when the um, uh, Department of Homeland Security was uh, was erected, um, that's that is a tremendously uh, quick turnaround for structural change, and that's what that's what we saw then. So I'm looking at what's going on right now, and I am saying that there is structural change that is needed in order to make sure that the next time because you know there will be a next time there will be something else that comes up and shows magnifies all of the the fractures all of the cracks uh, and the crevices it'll it'll let us see how how big they are and uh, and it'll be african americans falling into them right so if we're going to change those around that means that there has to be real structural change in our healthcare system uh, in access, uh, in uh, our economics, you know, I mean, across the board. So that's the silver lining for me. And that's what I'm hoping that we can um, we can work towards because everything else, just treating things, treating the symptom um, yeah. is, is just going to keep us in the same position that we're in right now. Well, I think there also needs to be uh, hopefully some cultural shifts as well. Mm, okay. I think that as far as uh, African-American communities and uh, the way that we traverse through the, a society that has continually shown that it is okay with our destruction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to go that extra edge and say it's like <laughs> purposely seeking it out for the industrial complex system, police mm. violence, all that. I won't go there. But this, it is okay with our destruction because when you look at the, um, like if you say like for instance the healthcare system, you'll see that you know that whole death thing in African American is a constant when you look at disease treatment. Okay, yeah. so if you say for instance breast cancer treatment, African American women, Black women have a higher rate, a higher death rate when it comes to that. So when you look at treatment then yes, we know that this healthcare system needs to be changed and it's not looking out for us. But now let's look at ourselves as a culture as well. And what is it that we can do knowing that we're vulnerable to these diseases right. and we're vulnerable to dying because of these diseases. What are we doing? What can? What is it that we can do in order to kind of make, at least mitigate and make a shift in that, you know, and that becomes responsible, you know, not only becoming a more powerful advocate for yourself, going going and doing what it is that you need to do. I mean, how many people are proactive in their care, you know, across the board, but specifically in African-American communities and specifically African-American Muslim communities, you know, how many are, you know, letting certain conspiracy theories about certain medical procedures keep them from going and getting those medical procedures done when they need to be done. We kind of have to kind of look at what it is that we can do 
to stem that that as much as possible because we know that there's less care available for us in these systems. Right. I think that's right. important. That's important as well. So do you think that there is a I mean, when it comes to becoming uh, more proactive, being uh, being informed advocates, what's the how do we build that that new awareness, that new uh, engagement? What is that start? Well, I think that first and foremost, it starts within the community and we need to, uh, I mean, the education is out there, but I, the mindset of really taking advantage of that education, I don't know. That's not my sphere. That's not my field. You'll have to talk to someone like uh, <laughs> Camila Rashad. Right. <laughs> talk right. to her about that whole aspect of it, but there definitely needs to be like, like when you look at, when I look at it culturally mm -hmm. and I listen to what's going on out there, I know that that does exist. I can't turn a blind eye to that. I know that there does exist this whole idea of just like there are uh, uh, African-Americans who are like strong proponents and trying to disseminate the education and everything like that. There's also like these, these conspiracy theories that are running around and running rampant and running amok that, that not only impact it impacts the broader society, but it also impacts our community as well, which is already vulnerable. Let me, let me to... throw this at you. Let me throw this at you. Uh, you you've heard, you know, we, we know the saying, um, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, mm -hmm. right? And when it comes to, especially in a, in a situation like we have right now, where it only takes one person to not practice, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, preventive care, right? Or social distancing, you know, coughing into their elbow as opposed to their hand. Uh, and man, we got to come back to this at, at some point and talk about how the the closure, the suspension of, of the Umrah, uh, when they did that, you know, months back, uh, mm -hmm. when I, I thought about my Hajj experience and how you could absolutely see how people could become infected with, with something so, I mean, quickly because the lack of, I mean, just, I don't know what, I don't know how it is that, I guess that's just the, the way folks were brought up is, is custom, but, uh, people from around the world coughing just without putting a hand up, just coughing right out, you know, uh, and you start to think like this, this, well, this would be ground zero, you well, know, you know, first of all, the, the Hodge sickness. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, there's Somebody. that illness that you get. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I was so you glad. Yeah. You know, one of the things when Papa Bear before he went on hot, and also my friend, mm -hmm. when they went on before they go on hot, they like downed a lot of herbs and stuff like that to try to build up their immunity system to try to prevent that hot sickness from happening. Yeah. Because you have all those people in this close proximity doing all these things. I mean, you're talking about millions of people. Yeah. You're talking about millions of people. And so, you know, and it was, it's ironic because the black death, okay, that happened in, 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 in medieval times, yep. okay, that was one of the ground zeros for the dissemination of that disease was Hodge, mm. okay, that was one of the things, and it like devastated, uh, it, it didn't impact, it impacted uh, Muslim uh, society a lot. Yeah. Not as harshly as Europe, yeah. But still, it's just like to say, like 
That was the uh, bubonic plague, March 52%, right? Yeah, it was the bubonic plague. So you yeah. had like, those pustules that came out and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, Cairo, okay, in the in the Khadun, in Marzaki, and one of them, one of the Islamic historians. I'm sorry, fact check. <laughs> uh, mentioned that Cairo lost 52 percent of their population to that plague. Okay, That's and we know crazy. that you know. Uh, we mentioned that last week that, you know, we're a communal uh, faith. Yeah. You know, we stand shoulder to shoulder. We hug each other. We kiss each other. We you know one of the, the, the two of the tenets of our faith involve community. Yeah. You know, prayer. Yeah. And Hajj, mm -hmm. you know, Ramadan, you know, the community iftars aren't something that's really. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's something we like to do. It's a cultural thing. It's mm -hmm. not really an Islamic teaching type of thing. Mm -hmm. But two, you got to think about it. Two of, of them involve standing close to people, yeah. being smushed with people, being around people. And the thing is, is that, like you said, there are different cultural practices and everything like that. I mean, we may be, and we even forget, but we may be brought up to be like, oh, cough in your sleeve, cough in your sleeve, like that type of thing. But that's not something that's global and universal it's not it's not anything like that on that and note even here you see people how many people <laughs> be in the middle of the coronavirus how you just go <laughs> like right oh, there hey people people are very wary of uh they're leery of coughing in public now because you know you got people oh, turning around looking at hold you hold it back hold it back <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> you better get out the room hold get out the room so but people are still doing it. They people are. are they are. It. But so you know what I was trying like to. That's going to happen. What, what I was um, trying to allude to um, was when we think about um, we think about education and income, uh, you know, uh, socio socioeconomic status, how these things often they go kind of go hand in hand with, uh, you know, with health. Right. The, 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 the lower you are on that uh, on that rung then the worse your health outcomes are, right? So that being said, we think about this chain and the weakest link and all of that. Um, I would say, and I would, I want to hear what, what you think on this, that it's all about shoring up that weakest link, right? It, it's really starting with those who are, um, who are most vulnerable, who are, who are most likely uh, to be impacted and then of course impact others. Right. So this thing where they're giving all the tests to the folks who can afford it and, you know, you know, they're fine that it really all, it, it should have been from a from the ground up uh, approach. Yeah. Right. Um, because a lot of folks have some folks have space, but then there are other folks who are trying to practice social distancing with 13 people under one roof. Right. Mm -hmm. How does that look? Well, I mean, the state of Wisconsin didn't waive their primary election. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you do then? Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that have to do one thing mm -hmm. in a limited amount of places. So, yeah, some of it is that the weak, the weaker links are created for us. Right. And so, mm -hmm. how do we shore up those things? How do we do those things? You know, there's a shortage of masks, and these people need to vote, or these people people need to go to work. They have to go to work. They don't have a choice. I mean, the economic system is set up as such that, you know, um, and uh, I'm going to try to be as quick as possible mm -hmm. and give an example. 
uh, do a story. I was, I have teenagers, mm-hmm. okay? And every time I end up having to give each teenager, they got old enough to work, the same talk, okay? And that is, I tell them, okay, so when, if you go to McDonald's for some french fries, all right, in our neighborhood, who do you see there? Do you see teenagers working there or do you see grown people working there? Mm-hmm. And it's always grown people, people in, their thir- people in their 30s, 40s, 50s on. It's okay. very rarely teenagers working there. And then I'll take them somewhere else in another neighborhood that is more economically affluent, okay? And I ask them, who do you see working there? And they'll see teenagers working there. 14, 15, because McDonald's will hire 14-year-olds. What? 15, yeah, 16 and up. They just can't work the, the ATMs. You have to be 18. Okay. And so I say, who do you see this? So they see teenagers. They see people their ages. I was like, do you know why you see people your age at this McDonald's and on the North Shore? Okay. And you don't see uh, teenagers at the McDonald's in your neighborhood? Because their parents don't work these jobs their parents are white collar workers that's right or they have money or they're entrepreneurs and everything like that so they have they have money they're making money professionally they're professionals mm-hmm. and so they let their teenage the teenagers serve the fries and everything like that but in our neighborhood there are people who need this to feed their families they need to work at the mcdonald's and the burger king and everything like that they need to work at the local stop and shop and everything it's the mm-hmm. same thing there too it's mostly older people that are working there so that's the reason why you have a hard time finding a job where we live because the adults need these jobs and not not um the teenagers they, there's no room for the teenagers to have those jobs and in those jobs they have to work. They mm-hmm. have to work. My daughter-in-law had to make the decision because she works for a fast food restaurant. Okay. So she had to make the decision to either work mm-hmm. or not work. And there's no, oh, well, we're going to hold on to your job or anything like that. They'll just fill it up again. All right. But you know, we had to come to the decision as a family, like, look, you're going to work and you're exposing yourself and you're going to bring it back here. Right. Okay. So she had to make the tough decision, but she had the luxury of making that tough decision because her husband feeds her. That is a blessing. <laughs> that is a blessing. That you know, blessing. she has a husband and everything like that, but there are millions of Americans that can't make that decision. They can't they gotta say, go. I'm scared. I'm going to stay home. That's right. So, you know, the, the, those weak links that were produced by the economic system of the society. So okay? that's, so that's, I think, this is a, a good point for us to uh, to press the pause button because we have to pick back up on this goes back to structural change. Right. Um, you know, our economics, our health care, education, everything. We need a real a real change, not yeah. not band-aids. So but in the Muslim community. Yeah. OK. In the Muslim community, one of the things that definitely needs to happen is, first of all, Muslim leadership needs to be listening to the professionals out there. They really Absolutely. do. The Absolutely. scholarship needs to be listening to the professionals out there. Just because you graduated from Mecca University does not mean you understand. Scholarship, 
scholars and practitioners. They, they, there has to be. We need, a and we have them. Yeah. The thing is, we that Muslims, we yeah. we're blessed. We have them. Mm-hmm. Black Muslim communities, Asian communities, like across the board, we have these professionals. We need to be listening more closely to the professionals and kind of and taking cues from them, not only during this time of crisis, but outside as well. We can't like kind of like. You know, Muslim leadership doesn't need to be laughing off when if a, if if healthcare professionals are saying, "Listen, you need to have hand sanitizers mounted all over the mosque so that and 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 foster a culture where people use it." Right. Okay. We we you need to start fostering a culture inside of these Muslim communities and in the places where we're where we're congregating to keep people as safe as possible. So we need to really, Muslim leadership really across the board needs to be listening, like you said, to the practitioners, to the people on the ground, to the people that are understanding how all of this works and how to keep us safer so that we can worship effectively Mm -hmm. and safely. So we definitely, culturally, that definitely needs to be done. It's rarely done. And it needs to be done across the board, not only when it comes to healthcare, when it comes to uh, uh, domestic violence. In every in every abuse, aspect of life. We're not listening enough. For, and this, if one thing that this shows us mm-hmm. is that, no, I'm sorry, Muslim leadership is not listening. In fact, not, not consistently enough. Yeah. Not consistently enough. We can't have those pockets of leaders who all get it mm-hmm. and they listen. But then, you know, when they go to the, the 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 Ashura meeting of Muslim leadership, like they're the only ones. Well, you know, like you said, there are only two of them. Times like this, they are they're great mirrors. They let us see where we're actually uh, doing well at and where we need to make changes. Uh, and mirrors are unapologetic. You know, they you're gonna get you're gonna get what you bring to it. So uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep. <laughs> we're going to keep working at this. So we're going to do this again next week. Uh, you can follow Layla, Layla Writes Love on uh, Twitter and Facebook, right? And Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You on Pinterest, Pinterest too? All of it's Layla. All right, Layla, I'm not on Pinterest. Layla, Layla Writes Love. Okay. And don't forget to follow NBA Muslims. That's it's right. NBA Muslims across the toe. And pick up a copy of the Black Muslim Reads Anthology. It's an incredible anthology. We, did we talk about this? We didn't talk about that. We're doing this corona All right. thing. Okay. Bro. So look, next time we, we got we have to talk about this because this is a great time for folks to be reading, right? So uh yes. yeah, so we'll talk and about that. Actually, NBA Muslims um, has two lists, children's uh-huh. books, Muslim children's books, and Muslim memoirs and autobiographies. And we're coming out with another list of fiction as well. So okay. Check those out too. Let's keep it moving. All right, family, we thank you for joining us for another edition of the Black Glue Podcast. Keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Instagram at Black Glue Podcast, on Twitter at Black Glue without the E. That's Black GLU Podcast. And if you'd like to email us, you can do so at the Black Glue Podcast at gmail.com. As I told you at the beginning, if there's any good that has come from this, it is only due to the mercy, only due to the mercy of the Most High. Any mistakes? Well, those are ours. And God willing, we can work on them next time. All right, I'm going to leave you with the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. First off, all praises Allah saved him. The black man and African from enslavement. 
So I love this thing can never deface it. And some of y'all that follow us hella racist. Face it, we was taught to hate black. So the lighter you is, the more you attract. I'm finna pull coats here and choke fear when the smoke clear. We still black, so hold dear. Why my skin breed them grease? All we want is a hua instead of beef. Poor folks so broke, but more jokes.